This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. We are back, maybe somewhat intermittently, with a mid-summer podcast episode with Great Britain's Andrew Musgrave, who actually lives in Trondheim, Norway. We connected with Musgrave earlier this week to talk about his somewhat disappointing season last year and how he is recovering from his dual Achilles tendon surgeries a few months back. A few technical notes. First, uh, for approximately the first 20 minutes of the interview, we had uh, a slight funky reverb, and we've corrected for that, but you'll hear a slight audio artifact in the new rendering. But just hang in there because you'll get an opportunity for Musgrave to talk about this. Oh, that is very exciting. There's a weasel that's just run past me as I'm saying that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how have you been? Yeah, not too bad. I haven't been doing all that much training because I've uh, haven't had an operation a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah. But apart from that, all is good. I'm getting back to training now, so I'm uh, happy and more motivated than ever. Like having, having a forced break, like definitely motivate like my older kid just walked in so this is what happens when everyone's home and has nothing to do (laughs) goodbye be safe okay i can imagine sorry um yes this is about you not me but boy dude it's been a long six months with kids home from school and all that i will yeah yeah you should hug your parents right you should just tell your parents how awesome they are since like you seem like pretty well adjusted because i'm not sure my kids are going to be that well adjusted after all this <laughs> i'm sure we're fine uh i i hope so um where were you i'm just kind of and I, we will get to your season but where were you when this all started shutting down i don't think you traveled to north america is that right no because i had an absolutely terrible season uh Anyway, so I had decided after Ski Tour 2020 that there wasn't any point in me racing anymore because I was so completely useless. Um, so, so I was like the one person in the in the skiing world that was not at all gutted by the fact that the last race got cancelled. <laughs> and were you back home in Great? Well, I know you're based in Trondheim mostly, but you have family back in Great Britain. But where were you at that time? I was in Trondheim and then because I've been having this recurring Achilles injury or problem I had actually gone to London to see a specialist just as um, Norway imposed like um, quarantine rules and stuff so while I was there they imposed quarantine rules on uh, traveling to Britain (laughs) I had like two days that were not particularly successful and didn't get much out of being there. And then I had to stay, stay, stay in quarantine for two weeks when I got back. <laughs> and was that, and then you just hold up in Tron time and it sounds like things were somewhat kind of tight for like a month and a half there. Yeah, we bit, but like in general, Tra- or Norway has been like very lucky with how well it's done. And the, uh, restrictions haven't been as hardcore as some other places so like you could always go out and do as much exercise as you wanted and get out of the house so for like me as like i'm not particularly social anyway so i like stay at home 
see the case, see my mates occasionally, go for a bit of training. Um, so, so to be honest, I didn't notice that much of a difference. It was a bit boring gotcha. having, having to have two weeks of quarantine and not be able to see anyone at all. Um, apart from that, I, yeah. So, okay, so let's talk a little bit. It's, it, you know, it, it's interesting because, um, I, and I think, gosh, my brain is certainly in the past six months has withered a bit. But I think we spoke at one point. You were like on your way to the Oslo airport or something. Was that last winter? We, uh, it was in the winter. So we definitely spoke at some time, and I was probably overly optimistic because I'd had a crap, been having a crap season, and it probably told you I was just about to get really good, and it was definitely not true. <laughs> well, so what's interesting, and it's it's I know you're a world class. You know, even when it comes to the World Cup, you are. You know, when you're in form and feeling good, you know you're a top five skier. Um, but that said, you know, I was like, okay, let me go back and kind of reflect on his season a, a little bit, right? And I think after that first weekend in Finland, you were 31st overall after three races, including a sprint and um, and I think a classic race thrown in there. Uh, and you had the 16th overall time of day, I think, in the pursuit on the last day. Does that all sound accurate? Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. so shabby to start off the season, I think. Again, I'm not you. Um, and then I think you were 18th in the Lillehammer Skiathlon, yeah. which is kind of semi-home snow for you, but nonetheless, Norway, a loaded field. Yeah. And then in the Tour de Ski, you had some, you know, a 14th, I believe, in the 15K skate in Tilblock. Yeah. And then that 27th. A little a day or two later, in a classic pursuit, fifteen k classic pursuit, and maybe things started to go awry after that in terms of results. Okay, but were you already sensing uh, early on? You're like, I'm just not feeling it for some reason. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like, I thought you. Know, uh, it was a very optimistic um, description of the first weekend racing in Ruka. I thought the first week in Ruka in uh, Finland was absolutely terrible. So the sprint was useless. And then I had a horrific, um, horrific classic race. I can't remember where I was in the classic. It was very bad. And then on the skate, I managed, like, pursuits are a bit like, time of the day is always a bit random. Um, and so I had ended up having just, I had ridiculously good skis. I think it was possibly the best skis I've ever had. <laughs> I had on the last day on the skate. And if you're skiing in a big group, then it's easy to just kind of stay behind someone and glide past on the downhill. <laughs> so like my 16th time of the day was definitely not for me being in good form. So I was pretty, I was uh, pretty annoyed after the first weekend of racing. But then the weekend after in Lillehammer, I felt like I had a good race. I was 18th, which wasn't amazing. But like, um, I had a terrible classic leg. So I screwed up a little bit when I was choosing grip before the race. And I just went for too little grip. <laughs> so I was miles behind after the uh, classic section. Where we changed the skate, I felt really good. And I moved back up a ton. And I caught up the group that was fighting wealth place by quite a lot um and so I, so then after that 
18 was amazing, but I thought my form was fairly good. And I was planning on going to Davos and I was just smashing it. And I wasn't even top 70 in Davos. And after that, everything was just downhill. <laughs> well, that and that can be, I mean, I know a lot of folks consider that to be like, quote, high, higher altitude, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, was it, could you pass that off as like, or did you try to pass that off as like, oh yeah, it's just the course. I'm not feeling it. There's less oxygen here. Or did you know you're like, okay, something's up. Something's no, up. no, I knew. I, like, I got Krieger won the race, I think, and he started a minute or two minutes behind me, and he called me up so quickly. And I was like, all right, I'll just Davos is like an easy course. So just it's fairly flat, so it's easy to stick on to someone if you get caught up. And I hung on to him for approximately 20 centimeters before I got dropped. And I knew I was definitely not informed. So I knew, or like, basically, I was, before we raced the first World Cup in Finland, I raced the season star races in Norway and played Stolen. I just felt useless there. I felt useless in Ruka. Felt good again in Lillehammer. I thought things were back to normal. And then I went straight back to being even more useless in uh, Davos and then it was so I, I knew definitely that I was yeah uh, screwed stuff up <laughs> so that's I, I mean if you can like you know I think again I would expect most most athletes you know if we're talking about yeah I'm not feeling on or this or that you know they're gonna play a bit of poker right they don't want to in the season reveal like oh yeah Boy, if if it's, if my buddy from Norway is trying to catch a draft off me, or you know, they better just pass me and move on because I'm not feeling it, right? Like people don't necessarily want to reveal like how crappy they're feeling. Um, but that said, like I am curious now. You know, the season's over. You obviously, I, I'm assuming maybe you know, look back where maybe you either took a risk or didn't take a risk in training. What do you think went on? Like, what have you um, possibly concluded with your coaches about, like, why you felt that way? Oh, so last year I increased my volume a wee bit and the intensity a little bit. Um, I don't think it was actually that. My, my main plan for world domination was I was going to get super skinny and go fast on the uphills. <laughs> and I think it was a wee bit of a combination of if you're – so I tried to lose weight and if you're going to lose weight then it's hard to do it while you're doing massive volume of training and I should have done should have like cut back sure. a wee bit on the training in the period I was trying to lose weight um, but I didn't and then I think it was just in total through the autumn like I just was completely depleted like I look back now and I don't really understand how on earth I didn't notice the signs that <laughs> I was not doing so well so like I had some tests on the treadmill like threshold speed was all right but like if i look back like i just didn't get my heart rate up to normal top end zone on any sessions from september so like i i was just pretty screwed <laughs> and then like before lillehammer because i was feeling crap i took some blood tests and i got the results after davos looking at that my testosterone was like through the floor and so I was just like completely depleted, basically. <laughs> and I'm not going to put you in the boat of like, you know, you were starving yourself at all, right? Everyone, I mean, anybody looking for an advantage, the first thing it may come to mind is like, you know, if I lose, you know, a couple pounds, all, you know, my, my, 
my ratio when it comes to you know weight to power is is going to be in my favor and i might be able to move faster but what kind of i guess what kind of services do they provide male athletes you know from the british side or do you have access to because this is you know when we think cutting weight it became fairly evident on the women's side in particular this season with you know some marquee names that sat out and I mean, we don't need to rehash all that. Uh, we're talking about some, you know, Frieda Carlson, world class, Osberg, world class, and they just couldn't sustain it in the long term. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm kind of curious, like, what what are those resources maybe look like for a male athlete? Uh, we have actually working with the team one of the probably the world's best uh, nutritionists um, who's like worked with the team Sky. Um, and a few of the big cycle teams. And so I did a lot of work with him um, and had a super good plan. It's just that, like, as an athlete, you're like, okay, you always, like, set yourself goals. And it's like, right, I'm going all in for something. And so that instead of, like, entirely listening to what um, Nigel, the nutritionist, was saying, I sort of lost my head a little bit and did a bit extra and, like, was smashing more hours than he knew while I was doing all uh, trying to lose weight. And I, <laughs> to be honest, we have a super good nutritionist. I probably just should have listened to him a little bit more. <laughs> well, I mean that that yeah. I mean now you've kind of learned. I mean how like moving forward, what does that look like? You know, so that you are, I mean, I can imagine that's kind of tough. Like you don't want to be in that situation. Let's presume that there's a normal race season. You, you want to be feeling good, uh, say, towards, you know, trending into world championships in early February. You know, how do you, one, keep yourself honest and not stressing, right? I can't imagine like you're thinking now it's, it's you know, mid, late July, like, okay, I don't want to feel this way six months from now or, you know, have the same situation. How do you, what are your checks in place to make sure that you, you can do it more effect, effectively this season? Well, the main thing for me is like looking back from last year, I just see that I didn't get my heart rate up into high zones on any sessions. So like, I just need to have a control that like I can push high lactate and I can get my heart rate up. I took that as, I took that as you had something physical, physiologically wrong and you just weren't able to bump, you know, sometimes you just can't get your, yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's just cause I was in or completely yeah, energy okay. depleted. And like you can't push yourself if you just mm-hmm. deplete it. Um, so, but like I also want to learn is like for me before world champ or before major championships previously, I've, push try to lose a bit of weight um which i think or for me works super good in the short term um but like last year i tried to do it um lose weight so i was light at the start of the season trying to maintain that through the whole season but for me that's just not or at least the way i was trying to be last year i just can't do that and maintain it so like uh, normally I'm heavier in the summer than I am in the winter. And then just before the, the last few weeks before the world champs, I lose a little extra bit. And so I'm going to go more back to that plan rather than just trying to be super, super skinny the entire season. Because that did not pan out well last year. Gotcha. So what what are you, what's your weakness when it comes to food? Curious. Uh, anything baked that's like cakey. I absolutely <laughs> love cake stuff. But like the thing for me is if I've, I'm not quite, quite this. Oh, I like all sorts of food. As long as it's like, good. I like all sorts of healthy food. I've got like out in the 
at home here in Trondheim, I've like got out on the deck of all these pots of like lettuce and radishes and all sorts on the go. So I'm into like salady stuff too. But um, like for me, if I set myself a target and like a goal of losing weight or I have a plan for it, then I don't find it at all difficult to cut out unnecessary things. Um, but I like, or for a period. Or doing that over a whole winter, I find more of an effort. We're going to get into your Achilles issue in a second here. But I noticed on the web, on the Fist site, they have, you know, these things. It just says, like, your hobbies. You have no hobbies listed. Do I not? <laughs> what are your hobbies? Oh, I, I don't think so. Like fishing. I'm actually out fishing at the moment, as we speak. Are you really? <laughs> I'm going to look right now. Where are you fishing? Oh, there's a wee lake just near my house that's uh, got some all right trout in it. So I've, yeah. So while we were speaking, I've just lobbed a worm out to see if anything bites. But I'm now looking at my float and it has drifted into some weeds. So I'm very definitely not going to catch anything now. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm going to read through right here. Andrew Musgrave. It's a little bit of a, maybe an outdated photo. Um, Marital status, dash, dash, children, dash, dash, occupation, dash, dash, no nickname, no hobbies. Either. Oh, that is a very boring profile. <laughs> well, I was like, I'm sure this dude has a hobby, so I need to ask him. Okay. Uh, is so, it- so, like, doing a wee bit of fishing occasionally. Um, but then, like, like, a lot of my hobbies, like, I like mountain biking and stuff, but that's just, like, part of training, so it's not particularly sure. a great hobby to have. <laughs> Or, or as as an athlete, if you can do your hobby as part of your training, then it's quite a good uh, hobby. That is true. But fishing is good for recovery, I imagine. Yeah. Um, is it catch and release? Oh, that is like very if you catch it, and there's a weasel that's just run past me as I'm saying that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. That was. Look, what color is it? Black. Or okay. it was wet. That was very exciting. That is cool. We we yeah. have because uh, I'm. I'm typing in black weasel. Um, yeah, well, I think yeah. it was it was a weaselly type. It looked a bit more like it was almost otter size, but I don't think you get otters here, so it kind of. So we. Have, I'm gonna have to Google this later. Every <laughs> once in a while, we see these really cool ones. They're called ermines, and they're white. They're white weasels with a little black tail. They're uh-huh. red. Anyway, okay. So, is it catch and release where you are? So, if you catch a trout right now. What's the situation? Are you able to eat that? Oh, I'm going to eat it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, really? Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. This is exciting. I'm I'm fully, I have my fingers crossed that you're going to catch a fish right now. Oh, the little Weasley thing has just swam right in front of me. That is very exciting. <laughs> that is cool. How big is it? We're talking like two feet? What did you say, sorry? How big is it? It must be like, or it must be like, 30 centimeters long plus its tail it's definitely not an author though it's some sort of weasel thing that was very exciting so i'm getting distracted ruining the interview but (laughs) no no this is like look i think it's a time right now where like people need distractions and it's also good to know what people like world-class athletes get excited about so you know this is me i get excited by my vegetables on the deck and weasels swim past (laughs) <laughs> I think that's good. that's good. That sounds like somewhat normal. Um, okay, so you know, let's go into you. You had some surgery, and did you get the surgery in Sweden or in Norway? Sweden. 
Okay, and I noticed that I just saw like the location on Instagram was in Sweden. Yeah. So let's go back here. It, it in one of your posts, I think your quote it says the end after three years of Achilles problems. Yeah, or hopefully the end. Okay, well let's talk about what those problems were for three years. And there was, you know, you you posted the image of you with a big smile uh, on the operating table as they're cutting into your ankle or into your tendon area, I suppose. So, yeah, what were the issues going on? Basically, I've just had chronic Achilles tendinopathy and both Achilles for three years, roughly. Um, And it's like never been so painful that I haven't been able to train but it's been bad enough that it's affected my training. So, like, I've had periods where I have had to cut out running and classic and only do double pole and escape. And, like, it affects my classic skiing definitely sometimes in the winter and probably my skate skiing as well just because I've had to struggle. It's painful to land on my toe, which is generally a useful thing to be able to do if you're doing classic skiing and a little bit in skate as well. Yeah, and so what was this? What what was involved in the surgery? That I get such discomfort. The the physios we work with thought it was a bit strange that I get so much discomfort from that little tendinopathy, and so they spoke to a specialist, um, Hawkon Alfredson, the guy who did my surgery is called. He's one of the world leading experts on Achilles uh, issues, and they took they contacted him and had a wee chat with him. And he asked about my symptoms, and he said that what he thought my problem was was not actually the tendinopathy in my Achilles, but because I was getting it off the inside of the Achilles, um, what he pro- he thought it was is the it was actually the plantaris tendon which runs along the inside of the Achilles. Sometimes that can like be very close to the the Achilles itself and you can get nerves that grow between them and they can you can just get like irritation between them and that he reckoned that was what was causing the problem and he said that you can do a very minor procedure where you just go in and chop out the bottom bit of the um, plantaris tendon that runs along the Achilles and then it's not there anymore <laughs> doesn't cause the problems uh, I mean I know you've Tentatively, I think you've skate roller skied, you've double pulled, and you've done some light running uh, recently. How, yeah, so how does that all feel? Um, running doesn't feel too bad. Skate and or just wearing ski boots isn't so great yet because just the whole air. So I think it was six, almost seven weeks ago I had the operation, but the area around my Achilles is still very tender. So like... Um, just anything rubbing along it isn't so comfortable. So ski boots on. So I've like tried to modify my ski boots by like widening them with the heat gun and ripping out all the padding so there's less material touching the Achilles, but it's still slightly uncomfortable. Whereas running feels not so bad. So I just I spoke to the surgeon or our physio spoke to the surgeon the other day, and he said that I've got to expect that the area is going to be sensitive for a couple months at least. Um, but that's nothing to worry about. Sure. And and I know that you you've done some pretty intense ski erg 
uh, exercising as well. Is that yeah, like kind of your go-to at this point? I've stared at a wall for a lot of hours the last month or two. <laughs> I mean, a lot of folks sort of, they, they put that aside because they, they again, right, they, they don't want to stare at a wall. They can't tolerate it mentally. How do you tolerate that? I mean, what is you have to right now because you had surgery, but how do you make that work? Pop on a wee podcast to listen to um, or a rigged up netflix that i can watch while i'm doing it um but to be honest i've most of it i've just done um and it's not been that much of an issue like if it's part of you, what you think is going to make you good and get you back to being a top end skier then it's, it's only a few hours a day no it's like <laughs> much better than than uh than not being able to train at all so it's it's not so bad, I don't reckon. Was there anything to like the timing of the surgery in that you suspected like, okay, there's a pandemic going on, sports are shut down or they're shutting down. Um, there's the possibility right now of like either best case scenario, an unmodified season, possibly a modified season, and then worst case scenario would be like this pandemic gets much worse in Europe, although things look like in fairly good shape relative to places like the US um, you know any any uh, reason for the timing oh basically basically I wanted to have a when I um, was terrible in the winter um, uh, and cut, sacked off the season early I was like up for sorting my Achilles then and I wanted to go speak to an expert and get it sorted but um standard the head physio for a gb snow sport was like okay this is great because now we've got time there's a long time till next season so we can do a super good block of rehab um and we'll definitely get on top of it and i wasn't that convinced but it's like all right we've got some time we can do it and then um so i barely did any training for or i sacked off the season at the end of february basically didn't do much in March or April and then started doing like a lot of building back into training on top of all the rehab I've been doing um, from the end of May and into June. And like, so my Achilles weren't too bad, but as soon as I started increasing the volume, even with a massive block of rehab, they just kind of went back to the way they were. And so then the physio was like, all right, fine, we can have an, have an operation then. After I'd been whining, I'd wanted to have it in February and I'd been whining about it. Right, right. <laughs> and, he was, and he was like, no, nah, no, nah, we've got to do a solid block of rehab first. And I was like, oh, I've done rehab like a million times the last three years. I've done so many bloody um, calf raises and eccentric calf raises and slow, heavy calf raises and nothing has helped. But he was like, no, 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 now we've got a few months. We can definitely get on top of it. And then I started whining, and he got bored of me whining. So he said, right, you can have an operation then. <laughs> you know, all things considered, let's make the assumption right now that World Champs goes off. Um, are you feeling fairly optimistic about your trajectory, you know, and, and recovery, or still, like, way too early? Uh, it's very early to say how the surgery has gone. Like, like I said, it feels good running, but it's still very sensitive in ski boots. Um, but like, I'm confident it's going to go the right way. Um, and if not, and then I just 
get back to where I was before, then like I've managed to train reasonably well previously. But I'm confident that um, I'll get better. The surgeon was very happy with how the surgery went, and when he like he'd done looked at the ultrasound beforehand, and he was like, "Oh, he was very confident that was what the issue was, the plantaris." And then he opened, and then he when he did the incision and looked in, he was like, "On both sides, yeah, yeah." I was definitely going to get back to 100. percent He was convinced that was what it was. So. I am very optimistic and um, like everything has gone well post-op, wounds have healed well. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty confident um, and like I'm way behind everybody else on the train in front at the moment. Um, I'm not, <laughs> or when I've been going out roller skiing now, I can definitely tell I'm not in the form of my life, but um I've got a solid base from the last few years of training and like, I know I can get back into decent shape fairly quickly. So I'm not too stressed about that. So I'm, yeah, that's funny. Cause I was just about to ask you, I think a lot of people, you know, they get, uh, whatever it is related to FOMO, you know, like fear of missing out. Right. And I know a lot of people make the choice, well, they, you know, they look on Instagram and they scroll through and they're like, holy crap, so-and-so did this for training and so-and-so did that. And they get uptight about it. And uh, some people can't control themselves and they continue to look and get stressed. Some people just black out Instagram in this case. Do you get bothered by that? Are, are you someone that's like, oh, God. Oh, I get a wee- I get a wee bit jealous sometimes, or I did, now I'm back training, but like when I was sitting on my arse and not doing anything, I was getting a wee bit uh, jealous of other folk out doing stuff. To be honest, the worst was that when I was actually doing my rehab block in March and April, and it was like such good ski touring conditions here in Norway, and I was sitting on my arse at home and everyone else was out ski touring. That was definitely the worst. The actual training the actual training for getting good at skiing was <laughs> hasn't been so bad. I've I've actually got a little bit used to sitting on my arse on the sofa, and <laughs> I quite like. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. Well, don't get too used to that. You got plenty of time for that post athletic <laughs> career. What, when you say ski touring, um, that can mean a lot of different things. Like, what does that mean? Oh, you know, like, when you reference that. Uh, like fat skis going up. <laughs> good. Sorry, man. I. Do you hear that dog? I can hear the dog, but I can hear you as well, so I'm not I'm not worried. Don't worry. It's it's my dog, and it's one of I have two rescues. Uh huh. I'd love to I'd love to give one of them away, but anyhow. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. So, uh, so that's it. Okay, sorry about this. So, um, yeah. What is that like? Fat boards more like like a tech binding backcountry skiing yeah. type thing. Okay, so you do do that. Yeah, 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 I absolutely love doing that. Me too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I that's one of my dreams is to sort of call Devin Kershaw up at some point and be like, I need the grand tour of spectacular ski mountaineering in Norway. Norway is just so so good for it because like, or like everybody knows like Lofoten and the yeah. Lingen Alps. That that's that's like the place to go. But even like two out two hours drive from norway there's a ton of awesome places on the coast where you can go fjord to fjell or fjord to mountaintop it would be in english um and like it's just ridiculously spectacular so like norway is an absolute awesome place to be if you like ski touring yeah yeah um and you don't have to deal with altitude yeah you don't have to deal with altitude that's nice (laughs) 
That's good. So do you foresee yourself when this is all done? I know that over the years I've you know, asked how your Norwegian is. I'm assuming it's quite proficient at this point or better than it was a few years ago. Do you see yourself being Norway-based or heading back to your homeland? Um, I reckon I'll probably stay in Norway. Like, um, I feel like Norway is more home now than, uh, than Scotland is. Um, I've been here so long. My girlfriend's Norwegian. Um, so yeah, I reckon probably end up staying here, but we'll see what happens. Okay. Never know. And what do you say? Like, what's the vibe there? Um, when it comes to, you know, I, I posted a story maybe a week or two ago where I looked at, gosh, without pulling it up, you know, I, I looked at caseloads in kind of period one and period two countries for the world cup. And they all were trending, you know, they were, they were, near flatlining except maybe off the top of my head maybe switzerland had a slight uptick and obviously sweden has its own thing going on but they're not hosting any races for period one and period two um you know curious like what what's the vibe that you're hearing about possibility of of a semi-normal schedule i haven't got a clue i haven't i've haven't really thought about it that much either to be honest like i've just got i'm just like right whatever's whatever happens is gonna happen hopefully there'll be some racing um or from what i've heard though there or the last i heard was that people were fairly sure there would be some racing but they didn't think that it would be the normal calendar um but that's a very broad spectrum of what can happen <laughs> um so but like yeah people or i don't know uh yeah i haven't got a clue to be honest that's my honest answer <laughs> no that's that's all good and again making the assumption that it's a world championship year anything in particular that it would be like under normal circumstances you're like yeah this is my race i mean uh is it is the 50k skate or classic this year uh, world 50K champs be classic okay so 15k so, skate's gonna be my the or the skiathlon and the 15k skate that'll be my two like focus races okay and here's here's a question and this comes up because you know i'm assuming you read all the news and this is a this is a yeah i'm just gonna throw this one out there um you know, there's been a lot of interesting news coming out of like UK sport, right? And yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> so UK sport was in the news cycle a week or two ago in terms of like a ketone, kind of a bizarre ketone study. I think this stuff is called Delta G or something. And it originated with like special forces in the US military. But like, I am kind of curious, kind of, can you lay out what sort of who do you necessarily answer to when it comes to national governing body? I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah. Why don't I just ask that straight up? Like, uh, who do you answer to? Uh, so I, our federation is GB snow sport, which is in charge of like all of these disciplines. Um, and now we have combined with the para snow sports as well. Um, so that's the people who I answer to, but the, the funding for GB snow sport comes from UK sport. And I get an athlete, um, I'm funded as an athlete through UK Sport as well. So UK Sport is the, is the top um, in UK. 
Because I'm never surprised that any NGB, to be honest, is always looking for an advantage, right? I mean, that's, I suppose, part of the game. And I suppose, see, I'm qualifying that. I say things like, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like it's, there's always the gray area and the boundaries will be pushed. And some would say like the Norwegians have pushed historically like yeah. asthma meds. Um, and this is just like an example uh, of that uh, per se, but like, you know, involving yeah. human trials. You know, I would call it a human trial. Anyway, um, does stuff like that, I know there was like, and you were probably a kid back then. How old were you pre-2012? Uh, in 2012, I would have been 12. Yeah, I was born in 90. Oh no, my no, gosh. I would have, tw- were no, you still in Alaska? I would have been uh, tw- 22. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) That's okay. Trust me, my math right now is like not. Yeah, it's like, and I've heard that people are saying this whole COVID thing, like people's memories and brain function are deteriorating slightly (laughs) collectively. But I certainly would be a good case study. Um, Yeah, I would have been twenty-two, not (laughs) twelve. Okay, so but I'm curious. Like, you were obviously a good athlete and up and coming um what was like the chatter like back then you know say 2012 and even post when sky you know they've got um Froome crushing it who originally is from africa but for all practical purposes is a brit and i'm tr- oh my gosh i can't believe i'm forgetting his name i think he won one or two tours very tall not Froome, but they sort of butted grant thomas no before Gar- grant yeah Bradley wiggins wiggins, wiggins. Right, so there was yeah. always sort of speculation like, oh, these guys are a little dubious, who knows? Sky has been called into question. Um, you know, I'm kind of, you know, you're in Norway, but you're obviously an elite uh, British athlete. What is, what do you hear? What are your senses about, like, people in their offices constantly looking for advantages and I'm going to assume legal advantages and you're in Norway doing your thing. Like, yeah. How does that interface work? I don't know if that question makes any sense, but, um, yeah. Uh, do, do I, th- if I'm getting you right, you want to know if I think that like a UK sport has pushed the boundaries into gray areas. Um, well, I, Sorry. I mean, I've sort of made my own assumptions by that, by looking at those documents that released, but, but I guess it seems to me that you guys have been, you know, like there's no reason to question your work ethic, your mate's work ethic on the guy's side. I mean, there's, you're not alone in top results for British skiers anymore. So that said, yeah, what is that dialogue like when it enters the realm of Nordic sport? and like looking for advantages i guess that that's sort of what i'm asking yeah oh we we have not been uh very sophisticated when it comes to finding advantage or advantages on the cross-country team uh and because we haven't be we we've just kind of been like trying to make do and catch up with other countries until i started getting uk sport funding after the 2017 world championships so before that we didn't have any uk sport funding and we were not so high tech advanced pushing any sort of uh do, doing anything where after 2017 we slowly started getting more funding from uk sport and they've uh, started thinking that we're people to 
that might actually be good and may get medals, but like we've not done anything particularly exciting in terms of either technology or uh, medicine type stuff. Um, we <laughs> we we've used, any any funding we've got has been so far used on getting some better support wax support staff and a couple of coaches. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay, last question is, and I am kind of curious. You're a Solomon athlete. And it used to be sort of a few Solomon athletes like you, um, the fast guy. Me, from Qu- then Babikov. That, that, was, that was us for a while. Well, and then it expanded a little bit to that fast guy from Quebec, Harvey, um, and then Jesse Diggins. I mean, I'm just throwing some obvious names out there. It's, yeah. ballo- it's ballooned recently, right? Yeah. I mean, the past year or so, it seems like they've really put their resources into sponsoring more athletes. But I'm curious, like, yeah, what did what did the support look like? And again, like I remember, you know, you go to a World Cup race, you see like the Solomon af- the Solomon athletes get like a one to one ratio with us with a Solomon Tech. You know, it's like there they are out there. Um, at least that's sort of the look a few years ago. How is that? I'm just curious. Like, what does that look like now that they have a much um, larger spectrum of athletes? Oh, the the Solomon guys are like. The reason that there are more and more athletes is because Salmon have got or have he got so much better rapidly because of the support they've had at races. They do such good testing and they have three or four guys uh, at every World Cup race out testing new products and with athletes and getting good feedback. And you compare that to other brands it's who may just have one or two servicemen at races. Um, sorry, my alarm is ringing. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so so that that is why there are now more athletes because of the amazing job they've done. And so now, now there's still uh, three or four of them each race. Um, and so you can't always be guaranteed that you're going to be able to get a, one of the Salomon guys to come out testing with you. But in general, they work super hard. And if you ask them, like, oh the British techs are busy, can one of you guys come out with me? Then they pretty much always will be like, oh, okay, if you can fit it in then. So that they just do, they seem to just do twice as much testing now. <laughs> now they've got more athletes. Did, did you guys have a relationship uh, with Norway again last year? Yeah, we did. Okay, and is that... Um, so we still have the same sort of deal. We possibly get some of their info and we do some wax and stuff with us or with them and they get our... Um, they get a couple of extra test spots on the uh, track by using our bibs, um, but we don't trust them fully. So we they tell, they give us what they say is their info, and then we do our own testing as well. Okay, in closing here, you've had forty four minutes to catch a fish. I have not caught. Well, I told no you at fish? the start, my float had drifted into weeds, so I wasn't going to catch anything while I was talking to you, and it's still in the weeds. That is true. So that oh bummer. It's, I'm sorry. Okay, it's all good. All right, it's all good. Don't worry. So you have one of those little, when you call it a float, it's like one of those little yeah, plastic little bob bobs. Yeah, worm on the end. Um, the I would have been, I would have been casting gotcha. with some like normal lures, but that's kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult to multitask and speak on the phone and do that. If I, if For I sure. had an AirPods, okay. I could have been and doing any that. Update? But it was quite nice to just like, no, no, it was so quite I apologize. Nice to sit out in the, <laughs> sit out next to the lake and chill out a little and bit. And what time does it get dark there? I don't really know. It doesn't really get dark. It get the sun sets, but it do, the sun sets, but it doesn't get dark. Oh, that's so nice. I don't okay. think, or maybe it does. It's 
It's like nine fifteen there right now. Yeah, and it's not dark, and it's not. I okay. normally go to bed around about eleven, and it's not normally dark then, because I spend okay. me and my girlfriend spend endless hours trying to like rig the curtains in the bedroom to make it as dark as possible, and black curtains. Black well, we've curtains. got thick curtains, but like there's a gap at the top, so my girlfriend likes trying to throw trousers over it or like various bits of clothing slash towels to make it dark and it just ends up that they fall off in the middle of the night and then suddenly there's a big big noise and it's much lighter than it was (laughs) and and you haven't seen the weasel i have not seen the weasel again if i do i will take a photo of it and send it to you i would love that okay well thanks for your time i'm glad you're doing well no worries it was good to catch up yeah likewise and uh maybe we'll check in in november i got my i got my fingers crossed that come world champs um I'm going to be able to root for you. So yeah, we'll see. good. Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care and have a great, good no, evening. Good to talk to you. Have a good day. Bye. Wherever you are, we hope you're safe and sound and in some capacity enjoying the summer.